Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Uh, just a reminder, we are on week two of a three-week hiatus. We will be back on July 14th with our regular episodes, uh, creepy stories and terrifying tales and all that fun jazz. Uh, in the meantime, though, I'm interviewing the cast and crew. And uh, last week I talked to the wonderful Graham Rowett. Uh, this week I'm talking to Tanya Miljovic. Uh, and on our Patreon, I actually just uploaded a bonus episode for the incredible Karim Kronfli, uh, who you may recognize from uh, SCP-049, The Plague Doctor, uh, or SCP-3001, A Red Reality, and so many other roles. Um, all of our team is incredible, and I'm super excited to sit down and talk to all of them. Uh, so... Without further ado, I want to give a big shout out to this week's patrons, which means you, Brandon Scherer, Emily Petz, Micah Bayer, C.L. Bishop, Paul Rose, Ellie Shoup, Sarah Camargo, Amy Peacock, Mizuki2011, Alan M. Hyatt, and Lisa Altpeter. Thanks, guys. Your support means the world. And without further ado, I present Past Me. Warning, the Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure, contain, protect. Hey everyone, it's Pacific. I'm here with the wonderful and the lovely Tanya Miljovic. Uh, she is an incredible voice actor. You may know her from roles on The White Vault, um, even on SCP's inaugural first episode, uh, 087, The Stairwell, in which she plays a sinister doctor, uh, or perhaps on SCP-3333, in which she plays another uh, less sinister doctor who is in a similar horrifying event. Um, Tanya is an incredible voice actor, has a very large breadth of work, but I think it's best if we hear it from her. Tanya, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you so much, Pacific, for having me on the show. And I've got to start by saying I love SCP. I'm a huge fan, and I'm honored to be involved in the show because it gives me nightmares. And, of course, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> in terms of horror, it's uh, right up my alley. And creepy, and I never ever hope to get stuck in a mine shaft ever in my life, <laughs> nor in my nightmares right. again. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I've been voice acting for over ten years now. Started out as a hobby, and then it it turned into a side gig as well as just a huge part of my life and uh, the way that I generally interact with people. At this point, I'm comfortable randomly doing silly voices in public and don't care what people think, you know? So Absolutely. I'm kind of a voice actor at heart, but I'm from around the Boston area here. And now that I'm with the COVID situation, all of us working remotely, now that I am working mostly remote, going into the office once a week, I have a lot more time to produce shows for my podcast, Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind, or voice act uh, which is my primary focus and then also maybe do some audible work down the line but my day job involves uh, braille production where we put stuff into physical braille or digital braille and send it to clients all over the country and I work at a library so in general we have uh, different patrons that we serve with different needs from getting audiobooks to movies to accessing information and we wear many different hats and then otherwise I, I kind of I have a website uh, tanyamvoice.com and I tinker around on there with blogging here and there and I'm learning how to implement basic HTML so really the in the nutshell I'm all over the place and I'm happy to try new things but mostly with voice acting and the audio drama community, I love meeting meeting new people, meeting especially um, helping out those who have just joined the fun world of audio and podcasting and who want to get started. It's it's a, such a supportive community, and um, I love being here. 
Absolutely. So, you know, between uh, voice acting and uh, some blogging and work, uh, you are at home a little bit more. Um, do you find yourself with any more free spare time? Oh, absolutely. And that's like most of us, I go on Netflix and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take a long walks outside or even just, I've been just sitting outside a lot yeah. listening to podcasts. Nice. Listening to anything yeah. uh, cool and interesting lately? Actually, I've introduced my boyfriend to We're Alive recently, so we've been binging that, and we're on season three now. It's it's such a, I don't know, I love sitting down and re-listening, because knowing what happens, obviously, from beginning to end, and then going back is, is a, a wonderful experience within itself, because I pick up on things I didn't pick up on. I recommend re-listening to it if you've already heard the show. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's got a lot of Easter eggs and things. Yep. You know, we're, we're Alive has always been uh, kind of one of those, like, high bars in the podcasting world to me. If like, you know, like, this is, this is it. Yeah, like, that's what I want to strive for. <laughs> uh, and it's an incredible show. It is. It's, it's got so many miniseries associated, like uh, Lockdown and, yeah. and, of course, the new Gold Rush. Yes, which is, is that great. out yet? It is. All ten episodes, yeah. Uh, I need to obviously catch up and listen to all of those. Uh, I've been eagerly oh, it's, awaiting. it's great. <laughs> then otherwise, I've been listening to 11th Hour, uh, which yes. it's a collaboration of all different companies out there that make audio drama, and um, different people team up, and the goal is for various producers in the month of October alone to create a script, act, produce, mix, add sound effects, music, etc., and put it out on Halloween, which is Audio Drama Day. Um, and it, in- it encourages different folks to work together who haven't worked together before and collaborate. And of course, it's a wonderful networking opportunity. But in general, a lot of diverse and awesome shows that will creep you out have come out of it so far. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it-, it is, I-, I think, kind of the uh, pinnacle of collaboration in the audio drama world of that, you know, yeah, everyone, like you said, just gets together and for a month sits down and hammers out some really incredible shows. Uh, And now you've been on a few of those, right? Yeah, I've been in back in 2016. um, One of the, I think it was the second year they did 11th hour. It was heavenly deception with Steve Schneider and um, Owen McEwen and, and so many other, like Sarah Taylor who jumps into voice acting sometimes fun fun show and then later on uh, Travis and Caitlin I believe it was last year or the year before uh, made a show called Messages I was in that and it was awesome (laughs) such a cool idea of doing the the texting sound effects and having the characters read their text messages in a, a real time way instead of when you're dictating like hi comma how are you question mark (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Awesome. And uh, you've obviously worked on a lot of other audio dramas outside of that, too. Uh, why don't you go through uh, some of your lists? What What are some of those really awesome audio dramas that you have been a part of? Oh, so many <laughs> awesome shows that I've been honored to be involved in and amazing uh, producers and writers, directors, I've mentioned Caitlin and Travis of Fool and Scholar Productions. I've worked on a little bit on The White Vault, mm-hmm. which I, I started off as a fan, so it, it's surreal to be on the show. Definitely. But um, <laughs> it's great. It, it's a solid, solid core cast. And then, of course, they have every season focuses on a new adventure in The White Vault. So super exciting times I'm glad to be involved and then Vast Horizon I play in artificial intelligence which is kind of like a dream come true ever since I've seen Space Odyssey 2001 <laughs> definitely <laughs> so that's been a blast and season two started so I am excitedly recording through that um, otherwise Tales from the Tower I've been a couple of different things and their latest season, I believe it's it's called The Tower. It's a five-episode miniseries, and you don't have to know anything about the world of Atreus to follow because everything is, is contained and explained. It's a nice place to start if you wanted a longer piece to listen to their Tales from the Tower series. 
and solid, uh, solid design as always. The world is rich and, and interesting. Um, so then on, on other shows, I've done Edict Zero. I've been in that since 2010, and that's been an amazingly evolving, rich, layered show, uh, kind of like Frasier meets um, X-Files, maybe? Yeah, I, I think that's the perfect way to sum <laughs> up that show. Uh, and another one that I will also say is uh, up there on at least my list as far as like top-tier shows, uh, incredible sound design. Uh, it, it was one of the first podcasts that I heard that had like full binaural sound design with like left and right channels and like immersive backgrounds and so much more. Uh, but yes, oh yeah, please uh, continue. Oh yeah, and the character development goes along with the plot advancement really well. Um, so many, so many things. It's one of those shows where you have to pay close attention. You can't kind of get away with doing other things, or you'll miss important. Um, things happening but then what's the frequency is another more recent one that is between seasons now and that is just it was such a blast to work with Alexander Danner as well as I've worked with him on um, Greater Boston as well but yeah James Oliva and Alexander are really really amazing Uh, Alexander Danner has put in a lot of thought and effort into making like a new sound design experimental sound design so what was fun when when I voice acted uh for it was I uh myself and the rest of the actors like Kareem Cromfley for example we were able to sit down and be silly when we recorded so it was just you know throw whatever you want at the wall and they'll use stuff you don't expect like singing for example yeah i mean in the very first episode of what's the frequency uh, i believe there's a short scene with you singing about banana splits and numbers right <laughs> yeah um there was like a a ledger i guess that wit had found with with walter and she was kind of looking through it and there was all these numbers and she had no idea what it was for or what what the significance was so she's singing about it bored of course (laughs) now you you have a very interesting and uh, a very long career in audio drama uh, and i wanted to dive a little bit more into that uh so earlier you mentioned your show uh lightning bolts theater of the mind uh and that you started in was it 2011 2010 uh yeah something like that like i had kind of started it as an experiment back in high school but I hadn't posted any of my early experimental audio dramas because the sound design was not great I was just learning so so yeah around 2010 yeah and and over the years uh, like you mentioned you've updated it and you know uh, put up a few little different episodes um but why, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh that show and some of the stuff that you do put up and uh, most importantly what you have up right now (laughs) sure so uh really the the podcast is all different types of radio dramas whether it's one shot pieces or series different genres like uh, predominantly horror because i love it it's it's always fun and it translates to audio really well right but there are some holiday shows up there of course, Halloween being the focus, um, <laughs> and some different psychological creepy pieces, which is which is fun. I think um, I think it's always kind of a, a cool perspective. But right now, what we're putting up there, and we've got five episodes out. There's going to be seven. Is the awful fanfic <laughs> My Mortal, <laughs> uh, which came out I think in 2012. 12, was it I, I believe yes. back then it's basically it's it's a we don't stand by anything in the show itself for example the grouping people into two categories goths and preps and the language and the um, some of some of the use of of terminology and stuff is is not obviously oh, for appropriate sure. uh, 2000, but <laughs> uh, 2008 2009 uh, I think is when it first came out. Uh, oh, okay. okay. But um, yeah. you actually recorded this uh, quite a few years ago, right? 
That's right. Yeah, we recorded it back in 2014, and it sat on the back burner for a while because we had some other projects and life got in the way, slowed it down, focus shifted. But finally, I'm going through, because there's more time and with corona being a thing, um, going through my backlog and just getting projects that were sitting there for years done and, um, you know, doing them justice. So this no copyright infringement but it's really funny (laughs) i've replaced (laughs) some of the uh the stuff that doesn't make any sense the loopholes with actual harry potter spells and tightened up some plot points so it should at least give you a a laugh but uh take it with a grain of salt (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so you know like i said you started the show uh in you know 2011 or so um and and that was a while before uh, a lot of the rise of like modern audio dramas, uh, and shortly after, you know, you started getting into this, um, you worked on Edict Zero. Can you kind of take me through, uh, I guess, your initial journey into audio drama, and then, you know, through it later working on shows like Greater Boston and What's the Frequency, uh, to you know, The White Vault, and of course, our own SCP. Sure. So back in high school, I ran across audio drama uh, purely by accident. I had had to grab some books for school at the time, Tale of Two Cities, and some other material. So I went to my local library and got books on tape. It I didn't really carefully read anything, so I wasn't aware that it was an audio drama. But when I came home, I was pleasantly surprised to hear the music and the sound effects. And of course, both were done by the BBC. It was a full, full cast, a uh, very diverse cast awesome riveting and Stephen King was one of my favorite authors at the time so the fact that <laughs> the fact that you know Pet Cemetery was adapted was just it was amazing it was like a a movie for your ears and I was super excited to find more material like that so I started doing research and came across Voice Acting Alliance online which was a place for amateur voice actors to audition send in their samples and then get cast in fan productions as well as original content and from there I found links to other websites like Audio Drama Talk at the time which had links to places like 19 Nocturne Boulevard, Broken Sea Audio, Misfits and I started my networking there. I had like a a cheap compressor mic from Radio Shack like one of those oh, heck $20 yeah. And, mm-hmm. oh yeah terrible sound don't recommend it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to anyone. Your iPhone microphone is better. Oh, absolutely. Then, yeah. So I started just auditioning for anything and everything I could. And people were amazing. They provided feedback and support and guided anyone who, who was interested through producing a demo reel. So I, I did that. I did my first one. And uh, networked with Julie Hoverson of 19 Nocturne Boulevard, who's awesome and is, by the way, is uh, coming out with some more shows soon, which is exciting. Awesome. Yeah, exciting. The Lovecraft Five too. Woohoo! Um, nice. So she she had some different shows that a lot of actually every two weeks she was producing a new one. So she gave me a chance, and I recorded some stuff for her. And then um, she was involved in Edict Zero at the very, very beginning from episode one. So Jack Kincaid at the time was looking for more actors. And she said, you know, I I work with a female actress that's out of Boston. Here's the information. I think she could fill in for you, give you some voices. Um, And it went from there. He gave me a, a chance to give it a shot, which was a huge honor for me because Edict Zero is is such a a long-lasting, quality, you know, deep show. You know, I was super excited. I upgraded my equipment at that time, mm-hmm. got a Bluebird and a better do-it-yourself studio. And, and so I was able to to audition and network further. And then I worked with Darker Projects, Misfits Audio, um, what was the uh, Imagination Lane, so on and so forth, anything and everything I could I could do or whoever whoever wanted to network I was you know I I didn't um, pass up the opportunity to work on anything and then um, 
I sort in terms of auditions, I was sort of like, either my voice is going to fit this project or it won't. And if it does, awesome. If it doesn't, at least I've networked. So right. that's just it. And then, um, yeah, like recently I worked on Organism and What's the Frequency? And then for the Strange Love podcast, um, William Myers show, The Transposition of Chloe Bronte, which is a character piece. Uh, that'll come out pretty soon. So that's pretty I'm, exciting. I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sweet. So, yeah, like like I said, and as you elaborated, you've had a very extensive and a very incredible career in audio drama. Um, are there any next uh, big steps for you? A- anything you uh, really want to do or anything you kind of have your eye on? Um, I, I really love character pieces, emotionally driven pieces. I like games, all that kind of stuff. And for audio drama, I'm... I just, I love reading audition notices and giving it a shot. Of course, um, any AI characters are mm-hmm. super fun. Yeah. I'm always happy. Um, I, really, anything and everything that looks interesting, I'm excited to try. Definitely. And challenging roles and things. Um, otherwise, for Netflix, I'm going to, down the line, record some stuff for audio description, which is the track that... If you um, play a Netflix original show, if you go under subtitles, there's English CC and then English audio description. And that's an added track that explains what's going on with the costume changes, facial expression changes, body language. So that's just the person that kind of explains what's going on for the visually impaired audiences. Absolutely. And um, so I'll be recording for that kind of thing going forward as, as a like a an example of a project and then um i'm hoping to get involved in some more games and i'd love to get into potentially toys oh yeah i don't know <laughs> that would be kind of fun to voice act like yeah for a toy with a personality or something i i you know that's one of those things that i'd never really considered but like yeah no i i mean i remember growing up having a ton of you know different figures and whatnot that had a little voice lines yeah like like doing a ai for kids or something that would be really cool now um oh yeah please yeah oh no i was just gonna say and and then maybe um books down the line for audible or i would love to do full cast audio books as well as as continue to do audio drama right and there's some pretty good ones on audible floating around there like uh they've done i think two or three alien full cast audio dramas now uh, you and I both have a very large soft spot for Lock and Key. Oh, yes. That's a really good one. Yes, the full cast adaptation of that. Um, I, I think it's probably my favorite version of the show. The you know the comics that it's based on are great. The Netflix show is all right, but I, I think yeah. the audiobook is uh, probably the, the best interpretation of it. Oh, yeah, and then the audio drama... You can feel the energy coming off of the actors because I know they had to spend a couple of days together as they were recording, and I think that really comes through in their their performances. It's definitely, and it's just uh, I know Stephen King was involved. He didn't write it, write it, but oh yeah, anything from the the King family. Exactly. Of course, you know, his son Joe Hill is phenomenal in his own right. Um, you you mentioned a little bit. You know about working on uh, some audio descriptions for Netflix and whatnot. Hey everyone, it's Pacific here with a quick ad break. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Would you be up to talk about some of your work with the uh, visually impaired communities? Sure. Um, so I did a little bit of audio description narration for a couple of Perkins promotional videos, and that was. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, an overly simplified script, they could have added more description toward the end or maybe explained after the credits. Sure. But it was it was really a neat experience. I recorded it, sent it in, and then they matched it with the video. And mm-hmm. a lot of these were used to get donors to kind of have a better idea of what went on at the school. And how the teachers worked with different students, whether they had cortical visual impairment or multiple disabilities or um, maybe how they taught Braille and technology and mobility skills. So 
these were promotional videos and some of them were for other clients like Spalding, where again, they were partnering with Perkins. So it was just a, a way for donors to see what, what their money was going toward. Right. So I've done that kind of thing. Otherwise, uh, at the library where I work, it's we serve the visually impaired community in Massachusetts and across the United States by providing them with books and access to information, the newspaper, magazines, um, audio-described movies, which we have an extensive collection we send them. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise, I've been just uh, here and there testing different software to and uh, apps as well as websites to make sure that they're usable with screen readers and then contacting developers to try to explain, hey, if you uh, could you label these buttons, for example, they currently don't have a label, and this would yeah. this would work better with a with an iPhone user that's using VoiceOver, what have you. Obviously, in a in a professional way, trying to more explain right. than than you know say why is why is this not accessible? What's going on here? Definitely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now you you know you've talked about um, some of the Braille tools tools that you use. Uh, in one of the episodes we did three 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 three. That might have been one too many threes. But in that episode, you know, The Tower, uh, you actually helped me uh, create a, a very important sound effect for that episode. Oh, the the Braille input uh, when yes. Zero was reading the communication coming in from Williams. Yeah, um, I was using my Braille display, which that's when I'm doing presentations or reading uh like let's say I'm doing a live performance on stage and we're all allowed to use our scripts. Mm-hmm. At that point, I use something called a Braille note, which is almost like a PDA, like an old, I guess, basic Windows kind of setup. Yeah. That's the structure of it. It runs um, it runs basically files that you would have to convert to Word or Braille-ready file to, to use it on a, on a computer other than that device. Right. But in any case, it has a braille output screen and it's a display of 32 cells each cell is six dots and then you have cursor cells on or cursor dots on the bottom to identify where you're at on that screen and it allows me to not only store notes but I can read content on there and for the episode I was reading something and um, recording my fingers moving across the display so that mm-hmm. it would sound realistic when when zero was was taking in information absolutely and it came out wonderfully uh <laughs> that is a- absolutely incredible uh and that is i just it's one of those things that's the coolest thing to me um and speaking of really cool things i i actually kind of want to go back to another thing you said earlier uh, you talked about your affinity for AI characters, mm-hmm. um, and you know who who can turn down a good robot, especially with that 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, <laughs> you know, um, inspiration. Uh, now, so for Vast Horizon, you play an AI character, and I would love to kind of pick your brain about you know the process of playing an AI and you know how you do it and you know how that character's uh, progressed over the first season and. Uh, how they might progress in season two. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's such a huge honor to play in AI because it, it's a challenging um, role and in the sense that you want to keep the balance between showing that the AI is becoming sentient or at least wants the listener to think that they're becoming sentient, and I don't know which it is. I'm not trying to hint anything one way or another. Interesting. I'm just yeah. saying that that is the... Uh, that's my my goal is to keep a balance between that sentient uh, moving toward that, but also staying machine like in certain things, especially when wording is repeated. Mm-hmm. So when it's mixed, for example, when she says, "You know, medical crew is currently unavailable to assist you," it has to sound similar because it's something that she says a lot, and maybe the variancy yet isn't in her programming to understand to say it with a different inflection yet. Right. So just keeping in mind, I guess, all of the little things when... So if you think about the Echo, hopefully I don't set anyone's off. (laughs) Yeah. The programming is um, so... It has to be so detailed for every single response and... If she's going to respond in a different way, they have to come up with variant 
program the pitch and stuff differently in Mm -hmm. three or four iterations of that same response. So I try to keep that in mind when I'm recording is how, what does her programming allow for as she becomes more sentient, she might put a little bit of feeling here and there into her response, but then other uh, responses that are always clinical and always the same should stay the same in terms of their delivery and um, right. also listening to AI on a daily basis, like I have a screen reader that never changes. It's always going to be the, the same exact robotic um, sound. Definitely. But I, I kind of go from that, which is the extremely static, to listening to obviously the Echo versus Siri, which improves every year. Yes. Versus um, the the human voices that are created by AT&T and, and such, Voiceware and, and all those companies that are becoming more and more amazing with their their human response sound. Mm-hmm. And the voiceover on the Mac, which breathes, which is creepy. Really? <laughs> yes, it does. It breathes between pauses in a sentence and between sentences that's crazy oh yeah oh it's creepy <laughs> so <laughs> i can imagine so i i feel like i spent the first two years of audio my audio drama career editing out every single <laughs> breath <laughs> and here's someone else just putting it right back in oh yikes that's like me think um that's like leviathan chronicles where they edit out every single breath out of the narrator's lines yes St- what a feat of mixing Right. which that, that job that oh god no which that show is also coming back and i think they're either part way or almost finished with their uh their return after many many years oh yeah yeah i'm so glad um and are, are, are you listening to the new season yet um i i listened up to the point before they you know before the hiatus right right and i haven't heard anything yeah. since the hiatus um i also have i remember they had like a kickstarter like three or four years ago um i do remember that yeah but i i remember my actually my freshman year of college uh there, there's a little hot dog stand on the corner i would go i'd sit uh you know get like a little lunch and i would just listen to like one or two episodes like every single day um that's awesome right i i'm very excited for that show to come back me too i obviously need to listen um but yeah so again it, incredible resume I, you've tackled a lot of roles. Has the AI been the hardest one for you? Have there been other roles that were even harder for um, reasons like accent work or you know, maybe just kind of their intonation and characteristics? Um, so I would say the AI was challenging in like, oh my God, I'm having such a blast and I hope that I'm actually doing my job right. <laughs> right. <laughs> in terms of that balance. So that and then also uh, making sure that when I pick up in season two, I'm I'm staying consistent in terms of where I was at at the end of season one. So what I do for that is I re-listened to everything and I'm going to sit down and, and get going on mm-hmm. more episodes. So, so yeah, that's challenging. But then in terms of accent work, like you, you were saying, I learned the Canadian accent for Artifact, which was awesome that was challenging and also the the character i didn't want her to sound too similar to when i had recorded for liberty or other shows like uh for fool and scholar productions right where i was using a, you know more of my my regular voice but then putting an accent on top of it so i wanted to sound like a different character and it was a balance of learning the accent uh from for example from alberta without offending anyone who was actually from there or having them think, wow, that's an American actor. Right. (laughs) So I listened to this guy on YouTube. He's an English teacher, teaches grammar and English as a second language, uh, terms and things. Mm -hmm. So he's from Alberta and he has like a very... It's it's obviously a Canadian accent, but it's a perfect example for me to learn off of because right. he pronounces things great, you know, perfectly because he's he's worried about like he's an English teacher, but then yeah. you can you can hear the sound changes and the stressed and unstressed syllables uh, that are that are used in his sentences and things. So I was able to listen to a lot of his videos, practice, and then I watched a 
documentary on the different provinces and the sound changes the accents and then listen to those hashtag accent videos that you can find yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. where everybody reads the same set of questions and answers and then they read a set of words and it's supposed to show you the, the differences in, in region. So that was all fascinating and it was worthwhile research on my end and then I had I had a blast just carefully recording and re-recording until I got it right. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like I said, incredible resume, lots of characters. Um, Thank you. I, I think I first heard you in What's the Frequency where you play uh, one of the main protagonists, uh, Wit, and um, you were the partner to... Uh, Walter Troubles Mix, uh, who's actually played by Krem, who I interviewed just the other day. Um, Great yeah. guy. Uh, oh, wonderful guy. And, and you guys make such an iconic duo. I, I think your two voices are perhaps the most complimentary voices <laughs> I've ever heard in audio. Drama. It, I, I don't know how you guys just you play so well off of one another. Um, but all this to say, you know what? Uh, a lot of roles from AIs to uh, scholars to uh, 20s detectives. Um, what role has been the most fun for you? Actually, I, I would say uh, probably Whitney has been <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, I, of course, I have fun in so many different shows, but this, oh, one, for sure. <laughs> this one is like one of the more recent ones um, that I just remember doing like a patreon thing where we're doing an ice cream tasting and i they were like okay so here's the script feel free to ad lib and i I actually had ice cream and i was just going off and randomly talking to walter and i was like you know it's all right you're not really here but (laughs) just going to talk yeah you listen to me anyway eventually (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so just just randomly going off and doing saying ridiculous things that a lot of it got used. <laughs> so I I had a, I had fun being silly. Absolutely. And I I think uh you know the next kind of logical question off of this is uh what advice do you have to you know new voice actors starting out? Um whether that's like equipment that they should invest in or uh lessons or just anything else. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would just say be yourself. Um, watch When you watch shows or listen to books or what have you, if the narrator in the book or a character in a show gets you in some way or you're like, wow, that is so... This actor is so good. And think about like what makes that character believable for you. What do you relate to? And what really kind of makes you tick in terms of of your authentic um, natural reaction to it and start with those kind of roles you know if you don't want a bigger role at first you just want to get your feet wet try some of the smaller extras you know smaller roles one two five liners in a show that are listed under minor characters and give it a shot come up with your own backstory or put yourself into the character and people want natural so if you are true to yourself, you're you're feeling sad, you're like, you know, I'm really down. Um <laughs> today's not going well. Sit down, record a character that's that's down or or upset about something because it's going to be natural and easy for you to pull from your own emotions that day. And even if you're recording for a longer show and your character feels down in a certain scene, maybe wait till till you're down, record that and see see how close it comes out it's surprising sometimes how easy it is if it's on the surface and then if you're auditioning you're nervous just record the audition pretend you're never going to send it in as you're recording don't think about it don't listen to it don't edit nothing send it in to the producer and pretend you didn't send it and then if you hear it back <laughs> woohoo! awesome congrats and if you didn't well whatever you know you didn't send it anyway right so you've networked yeah and that's rejection is not a bad thing ever no it's no never it's never good to think about it as or i don't want to say it's never good it's just it's unfortunate to think about it as 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 a crushing blow to your pride or you're not good enough or whatever because it's not true it's just that your voice may not fit that particular character and that particular project 
but there will be some place else where you will fit in perfectly or that producer will remember you and contact you in the future. And also, third part in the advice is mm-hmm. if you like someone's show, you like a podcast you've heard or a book or what have you, contact the author or the podcast producers or whoever the creator is and let them know you love it and why why you like it so much. And then if you're also interested in acting, put that out there. You never know. They might need more voices and you could be just the person to, to do that. And then if you don't have a, you know, if you're on a shoestring budget for your microphone, you can always use your iPhone microphone to start if you had to. Oh, for sure. And just go into a, like a closet full of clothes, full of pillows, um, blankets. Yeah. That will be an a general um, sound dampener and go in there with your iPhone and, and just give it a shot. Absolutely. I couldn't have put it better on any account than uh, <laughs> you just did. Um, and, and so many opportunities and careers in audio drama start by just, yeah, just reaching out. Um, yeah, I, as you said, uh, you got on nine turn drive and from there, you know, kind of snowballed into this bigger and uh, crazier career. Uh, and I, I would imagine the same is true for so many people. Um, last week we were talking to Graham and, you know, uh, he, he mentioned how he just found the shows he loved and he reached out to them and emailed him. And now he's on every single audio drama in existence, you know. And he's so awesome. He's such a oh, he's incredible. diverse, yeah, huge range. Um, and now here as we're uh, coming to kind of the end of our interview, uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about you. Uh, earlier we talked about, you know, being in quarantine, uh, some of our favorite books. Um, I'm just curious, what, uh, what's getting you through quarantine? What you, what you're watching, uh, what you're reading, anything like that? Yeah. So I am currently watching almost done with the series Mad Men, which I love to hate because some of the characters are are just (laughs) over the top, but incredible show. Yes. Yes. Definitely. A terrible, terrible characters, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. terribly predictable amazing. characters, for sure. Yes. Uh, but actually, what is fascinating about it is it's it shows you what the 1950s, late 1950s, mm-hmm. early to mid-60s were like, especially in the advertising industry, and how a lot of things haven't really changed. But connecting that to audio drama, it's really, it is networking. It's, it's you put yourself out there and put yourself out there. And if somebody, you know, doesn't work with you right away, they might work with you down the line or you you just never know. So I've been watching that. And then in terms of podcasts, oh, I just listened to The Truth. Uh, their latest episode came up yes. the other day. Yes. So good. So good. It, mm-hmm. And staycation themed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I'll have to check that out then. If you're a fan of Black Mirror, which I love, by the way, on Netflix... Mm-hmm. It, oh, yeah. You should check it out because it will give you that kind of feel. Not saying that they're ripping off of it, but it's yeah. it's just that dark sci-fi technology based, like creepy futuristic uh, that theme. Is absolutely right up my alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, and I haven't been reading as much as I'd like, but I I would love to actually sit down and read The Institute by Stephen King. I haven't checked that out yet. Ah, oh, incredible book! It is. His, like, last four or five books have been probably my all-time favorite King. Oh, The, the Miss Mercedes trilogy, Outsider. Um, nice. But I, I, think, I think the Institute really uh, really takes the cake, you know? Oh, that's that would be amazing to see adapted into audio drama. Uh, so, yeah, you, you are a big fan of Stephen King. Uh, obviously, you're a big fan of horror, and you mm-hmm. do it immaculately. Uh, <laughs> and sci-fi. What, uh, what big inspirations did you have growing up that, you know, got you into the world of horror and sci-fi oh that's a great question too um the shining was one of my favorites yes. uh the book was just amazing and so was the i don't know if you've seen the tv uh the tv drama that was made in the 90s oh yeah 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 uh by king himself yeah yeah uh that was that was so good and it was so much mm-hmm. truer to the book than the original movie oh definitely uh when i uh I went up to the Stanley Hotel for my birthday last year, actually, and Ooh, they had it. Nice. Uh, we, we did a little ghost tour at night. It was absolutely incredible. Cool. Highly recommend it. 
Uh, but they had the TV series playing on the lobby in like the little tour room. <laughs> so I watched like most of the first episode. It, it was a pretty good time. Oh, that is super appropriate. I love it. And I think um, they have limestone foundation there, so it's supposed to keep uh, the residual energy. It's supposed to hold on to it, any strong emotions. So creepy. Yeah. Uh, There was actually one little part of it right at the end because, you know, they, like, take you all around uh, the property and then they bring you, like, back into the tour room. And you're like, okay, you know, that was cool. And then this guy, like, opens the door, and uh, he, like, brings you in. And it's like a cave, I guess, but you just have, uh, you know, a, a ceiling, the floor above you. Uh, because instead of, like, blowing up the mountain and clearing it, they just, yeah, built it right on top of the rocks. And, wow. you know, you're in this room that is, like, the foundation of the building, and it's just, yeah, like you said, big limestone rocks and everything. And, uh a bunch of old uh, whiskey barrels, and it's a good time. Oh, that's that is epic, that's right? Really neat. I I used to watch series like A Haunting, and mm-hmm. I, anything supernatural really at the at the time when I was growing up. And then in terms of sci-fi, I I liked anything with AI. Actually, uh, was always interesting. It was creepy, especially the where the AI controlled the ship and then took over, like Blake Seven. Yeah. The audio dramas. Yes. Oh my god, the I audio dramas. Forgot about that show. Yes, <laughs> uh, it was it was a good. Sh- I mean, I didn't see the original TV series, but uh, the audio drama made by BBC and I think uh, then Big Finish continued it. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm misquoting that, but I thought it was Big mm-hmm. Finish. Um, yeah, it was good. Like there was an original six-part series or something and it was like this prisoner wakes up and she breaks out of the cryo chamber and then she yep. tries to go kill the crew it's just it's high action <laughs> the the ship doesn't take nonsense and it's part of the it's like it's like a character in the um in the episodes and then of course with uh robin williams bicentennial man that was a good one um and then the what was the isaac um asimov the law of robotics i'm trying to think of the name of oh uh i yeah I'm well the movie is i robot i, yeah, I think that's, the actual that's what novel it is yes yes is it something else yeah okay yeah, there's I an robot. audio drama too done by the bbc oh yeah it's I good might, i might have to go find that after this interview <laughs> yeah i should i should um i should find it i have it somewhere on my hard drive i i think asimov was probably one of my favorite writers growing up uh you know obviously i robot is incredible oh yeah uh, i um, Childhood Ends is it's a very short novel, but it's about you know the golden age of humanity and the end of war and famine and how many people uh, are not down for perfect utopias brought by aliens. Um, Ooh! But I I'm curious. Uh, I I don't know if you read a lot of Asimov growing up or even recently. Um, did you ever read the Foundation trilogy? Oh, I I think so. I a while ago. That sounds very familiar. It's uh, a wonderful, wonderful, weird, strange series. Basically, you know, very far future. Um, I, I think it's actually one of the you know series that like heavily inspired Star Wars. You know, oh. um, in it being a very kind of strange and different galaxy than it is now. You know, one kind of ruled and taken over by humans, uh, and then of course the fall of their empire. And, uh, it, it's this wonderful, great political drama. It has. Uh, some great commentary, but it's being made into a TV show by Apple, and I think it's coming out 2021. Ooh. Right. I'm going to have to check uh, that out. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a huge sucker for Asimov, so oh, yeah. anything by him, highly recommend. And and speaking of Star Wars, I love Star Wars. Of course, the movies oh, yeah. and the, the audio dramas, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong. No. Lord of the Rings, that was another one. For sure. All the good classic staples, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I love anything anything sci-fi, fantasy, too, you know. I um, Obviously, Lord of the Rings would be fantasy, but mm-hmm. it's, it's all so much fun. Um, dramas are good in terms of the character development and then the serious aspect of them, like TV dramas. I used to watch, actually funnily enough uh lifetime with my my mom and aunt when i was growing up just because we had that 
uh, as as like they liked it and it was they're into soap opera so of course that explains that but <laughs> I, I found myself watching a lot of those things and they, they'd be dark usually a lot of darker themes right domestic violence and things which was sad and hard to watch but a lot of a lot of it ended in in a good way it wasn't mm-hmm. like nasty everybody dies or no right one wins out the bad guy wins so, a good happy ending yes but very character driven which i love character pieces well i think uh i think that about wraps up all the questions i have for you but i'd love to leave us on uh a fun little um what's the word i'm looking for not user submitted a uh, fan submitted question sure what is your favorite song what, what gets you going in the morning or uh Ooh. i don't know calm at night actually my favorite song at the time i would say it's a it's a remake of an original so zombie by the cranberries was remade by bad wolves and it's it's pretty cool um not because of the content of the song but just because of the like the the energy and the uh, it's it's a rock version so hell yeah you know it's a good riff you can turn it up loud if you want it, it kind of it's a good get up in the morning song or any time of the day really um and then senorita of course by uh camila cabello and sean mendez is is awesome yes but i, I like rock and i like pop so that kind of encompasses oh, those yeah. two genres heck yeah you can't go wrong <laughs> awesome well incredible suggestions uh i think yeah that wraps us up but is is there anything else you'd like to leave us on tanya yeah just keep recording keep voice acting and us podcasters we love feedback any kind of feedback is welcome so don't don't be afraid to reach out to us absolutely all right thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me this was such a blast i can't wait to to see what comes out of the pipeline next for scp oh it will be very exciting Uh, And, of course, our show does return on July 14th. Uh, So next week I'm sitting down with the equally incredible and amazing and weird and wacky uh, Jesse Hall from Tales of That Town. Uh, So if you have some questions, send them in to contact at midnightdisease.net or visit scparchives.com. And that wraps us up for now. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Stay healthy out there. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.